let there be light. Good morning. We are uh, super glad you're here with us this morning to uh, worship the Lord and to focus on grace. Um, it's uh, a bedrock foundational thing for us to believe in as Christians. And so we're going to be learning that lesson today in uh, Romans 3. I want you to have that handy if you would, please. we got folks with Bibles coming down the aisles. If you need one, uh, you may want one handy. <laughs> we're getting a little into the text today in some... Uh, somewhat heavy and thick ways um, a little bit. Romans 3, we're going to be in uh, verses 20. Um, We'll probably not make it, by the way, guys upstairs, we'll probably not quite make it all the way to 31. Um, We're probably going to make it through for people upstairs so they don't freak out too much. Verse 26. So we're going to be going uh, from 20 through 26. We'll probably not quite get to the end there. I want to make sure you have a Bible handy, though, because uh, this is the foundational stuff we uh, read from, and it's the basis for our lives in a sense, like we said last week. We don't interpret it so much as it interprets us. So uh, that was last week, and that's the first foundational thing that uh, we believe about this book, that it tells us who we are and who God is and how a relationship with him works. So we're, we're building on that to talk about grace today. Um, this is week two of five in that series there we just uh, had on screen, Always Reforming. Uh, Semper Reformanda, if you'd like the cool Latin phrase to make yourself sound smart. Uh, this is week two of five. And uh, we use what we call the study guide here um, that is our uh, curriculum for our personal study throughout the week as well as the curriculum for our life groups. Speaking of which, for the month of January, we are going to be pushing, continuing to push uh, life groups. Um, Our third habit is connect in a small group. We have what we call the seven habits that are how we uh, carry out the mission, the vision of helping people find and follow Jesus. And so we have two kinds of small groups here at FCC, life groups, which I've just referred to. We also have regeneration recovery. We'll tell you more about regen uh, as we close in on the public launch in April. We'll tell you all about that in uh, March. But we say connect in a small group here at FCC because that's where you. Yes. Yes, or a little. Okay, so uh, we are big enough as a church and we are busy enough as people um, that we need to be intentional about fostering personal relationship with one another. Uh, you see, you don't just stumble, like we said last week. Uh, we like to say this around here. You don't just stumble onto a helpful and meaningful Christian community. You create it. You don't just stumble upon deep relationship. You create it with people. So uh, we just like to say, hey, straight up for an hour on Sunday, uh, while this is, of course, important, we want you to engage in worship, an hour on Sunday is not enough to meaningfully and personally connect with people. So life groups are where that personal connection happens for us. Uh, So now that I've said that about three different ways, we have lots of spaces right now in uh, life groups for you. Uh, Make sure that you, um, if you're interested in being in a life group, go to the hub afterwards. Uh, We have two new groups that meet on Sundays uh, that are ready for you to join them tonight if you are ready. Um, they would love to have you. So find out what's available on fccgreenville.info or back in the hub there. Uh, We had six people join last week, uh, so let's keep it up. Uh, This is the time to join at the beginning of a a new semester here. Uh, By the way, if you're a life group leader um, and you have some space in your group, check with uh, Kendra, Allison, Jason, or Chris. Um, 
there are a few folks still waiting on some response from life group leaders. So I know we've got a couple folks waiting. Uh, a couple more things to make sure we talk about quickly. Uh, starting in four weeks, we begin a new and a very important four-week experience of getting on the same page about how we do church. Um, we are no longer the church of 175 when I got here, and uh, things don't work the same way, and we have to be intentional about who we are and how we develop, and so we want to make sure we're on the same page about that. Um, that four-week uh, sort of class, if you want to call it that, but it's not really because it's more interactive, it's called Next Steps. That begins in four Sundays from today, yeah, um, and it's all about how our seven habits strategy is designed to connect you with God's vision for your life. Uh, we have a lot more to tell you about that. We're going to wait to do that next week. Um, so I'm just going to brush over and tell you, hey, this is important. Um, you may think, I'm going to say it this way. Those of you who have been here a long time, you may think you know how this place works. I would like to venture to say, I promise you, going through this experience for many of us will be a total reset on what we're doing here at FCC. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say it that highfalutinly, if that's an adverb, which I know it's not, grammar nerds. Um, we've got much more to tell you about that, so don't worry, we'll tell you next week. Last thing to mention, no, I'm sorry, two things to mention. This is uh, one of what we call a, our recognition footballs. Um, it has our logo on it, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's a quote from 1 Peter 4. It says this, Use whatever gift you have received, to serve others. Uh, we occasionally hand this football out on Sundays um, to provide recognition for volunteers who have just kind of you know, bought into Team FCC. And uh, I'm showing you this because it represents something we need to continue to work on and do better at here at FCC, which is recognize our volunteers. This place does not work without volunteers. Even as we speak, there are dozens of people throughout the building who are sweeping, cleaning, preparing, who are praying for this service, for you, preparing for the next service as well. They're putting together coffee and yummy things in volunteer headquarters over there. So uh, this place doesn't work without volunteers. So we are launching uh, something new for us that's focused on our second habit of serve on the team. And we're calling it our Team Bash. And it's happening Sunday, February 26th uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, we've got a football or two to pass out on that evening. We've got a bunch of other cool stuff happening. It's uh, 6 to 8, child care provided in this room. A free evening of recognition and appreciation for anybody who volunteers at FCC in any capacity, uh, big, small, whatever. It's going to be fun. It's a celebration of our people, our volunteers. Um, so please make sure um, that you sign up for that. We'll be, in, uh, we'll be sending out um, some information and making sure you know about that. You can sign up in the hub as well after the service. One last thing. I know I'm covering a lot before we actually get into this thing, but it's the beginning of the year and there's a lot going on. Last thing. Um, make sure you grab one of these on the way out um, if you're an FCCer. Um, if you're a new first-timer, feel free to grab and put on your car. Whatever, it's cool. Um, they aren't traditional gummy adhesive stickers, by the way. They're decals that are meant to go on your car windows. Um, so uh, you can put them like that there. Um, I believe that's Kendra and Tommy. Good job, staffers. Um, <laughs> uh, just clean a little three to four inch circle on your filthy back window and uh, stick it on there. <laughs> uh, and then as soon as you do that, let it sink in um, that you must drive like a Christian. Ha, 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 ha.
I thought some of you might find that funny. <laughs> a bunch of you are like, nah, for real though. <laughs> for real. Um, so grab one for every vehicle you have uh, for um, your tricycles, etc. Um, and if you want to join us by posting um, something online, give us some free online uh, momentum by posting one of these snazzy FCC decals. Uh, with some sort of hashtag on it like uh, FCC Greenville, FCC Swag, follow me to FCC, I drive like I follow Jesus, whatever. (laughs) But that would be a lie for most of us. All right, let's get into the word here today. Romans 3, 21 through 31. We're going to read that whole passage, and then we will uh, pray together and spend our time focusing on the love and grace of God to us. In Jesus. Romans 3, 21 through 31. Paul writing, he says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Let's pray, friends. Lord God, at the... uh, beginning of a new year when hopes are high and there's a lot going on we take time this morning in the service of worship to refocus hearts and minds on the amazing truth that you love us Father reorient us around this amazing truth that you have given us everything we need in Jesus. We submit ourselves afresh to the truth that you have revealed yourself to us and your Son, that you have provided the way for us, and that you gave us what we didn't deserve. Lord, bring us into contact with your presence and the fullness of your holiness as we open this book and we submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves to the truth that you want us to learn today through your Holy Spirit. Lord, do your work in us through this word, we pray. Amen. 
So uh, as an introduction to the sermon this week, I tried to come up with um, a story about someone who loved me when I was basically being stupid. (laughs) I know some of you are like, I don't like preachers saying that word. Um, Let me say it this way. I tried to come up with a story of a time when somebody loved me when I was being foolish, because that's the Bible word for it. And honestly, as I was doing so, I was trying to come up with something that was an example of someone who loved me while I was being foolish. I know this sounds crazy, but other than my wife, who has lots of examples, I was struggling to come up with a time when someone loved me when I was being just downright foolish. My wife's got plenty of examples. Are we preaching yet? Uh, But then I thought, got thinking about it a little, and and, and I... (laughs) And I came up with a few times to start off with where my parents loved me when I was clearly being dumb. And then I began to think about many times when my parents uh, loved me while I was being foolish. And then I began to come up with times when personal friends have and our staff here at church have and the elders have and (laughs) many of you have. And I began, as I reflected on it, (laughs) to come up with example after example after example after example. And I began to realize in a moment of clarity, when I felt God sort of tapping me on the shoulder, that the answer to this question of when someone has loved me when I was being foolish was basically this. Every single time anybody has loved me. Now, some of you may not really know what I mean yet because you still think that love is extended based on certain conditions of earning it. You still think that love is conditional. Uh, But I'm here to tell you that real love is always unconditional and that it doesn't become love until it isn't based on being particularly likable or worthy or good enough or based on your personal awesomeness. So for you, when it comes to this question of who has loved you when you were being foolish, the same answer is me. Every time anyone has ever truly loved you. Friends, this is a lesson you begin to understand about what love is and where it really comes from when you ground that love in the heart of God. We're told many times throughout Scripture that love is from God. Love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. First John 4, 7 and 8. Church camp. <laughs> VBS. Now, here's another wrinkle here. Uh, None of this idea of needing unconditional love is going to make sense if you don't believe that you are a sinner. If you do no wrong, feel free to keep going as if love is conditional. This idea of needing unconditional love will only make sense to you (laughs) If you have this sense that there is something wrong with you, like morally, like foundationally wrong with you, that we call in the Bible sin. When you begin to understand that you sin, 
When you begin to understand that you sin, you begin to understand that love is by definition unconditional. (laughs) When you begin to understand that you sin, you begin to understand what we're calling today grace. You see, grace is just this side of love. It's an extension of God's love for you. He gives you what you don't deserve because he loves you. And the amazing truth of this grace that we've been singing about, that we've been praying about, that we're going to study here, is that he loves you in spite of the fact that you and I have despised and rebelled against him and his holiness and his goodness. Now, I'm not just making that up. (laughs) Jump into the text with me at Romans 3.20. We're going to jump back one verse here from our main text in 21 through uh, 26. To look at the verse immediately preceding our main text today. Paul has been making this point throughout the rest of Romans up here uh, from 118 to 320. Paul's been making the point that all of humanity has this damning problem of being sinful, of being full of sin. Sinful enough here that Paul quotes the Old Testament, he quotes the Psalms, he says, no one is righteous, not even one. He says, Their throats are open graves. What comes out of them is what's in them. (laughs) We sin because we're sinners. We have each of us rebelled against him, fists in the air against him. In 3.9 he says that all are, quote, under sin. And he's talking about Jews and Greeks. He's talking about the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. And he's talking about the the non-Jews, the Gentiles. So, quote, under sin means anyone and everyone who has sinned, which is all of the people who are under the law of sin and death. So everyone is doomed. Everyone is damned. This is the situation that Paul has established before this next verse. And he summarizes the situation, this all humanity is under this law of sin and death. He summarizes this in Romans 3.20. Let's jump into the text. We're going to move a little faster here to look and see about how Paul gives a lot of color to this concept of grace here. He says this in 3.20 where he's establishing and summarizing this problem that, um, that we're all under sin. He says, for by, verse 20, for by works of the law, in other words, Uh, By acting out from and behaving according to the law, the law is what comes from the heart of God. It's God's perfect standard. It was written. It was lived in Jesus. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Now, he's stressing the human obedience to the law at this point. He hasn't made any point about Jesus yet, as I just alluded to. We'll get there. But he says this in 3.20. For by works of the law, no human being, did you miss anybody there, Paul, will be justified in his, in God's sight. Since through the law, this is the function of the law. If you want one statement in scripture, the law can be pretty complicated, especially how Paul uses it. Here's a summary of how the law is used. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Underline this point. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, Paul is making an important point here about the law, and there are lots of different ways to talk about the law. But here in Romans 3.20, he's using this term generically to refer to God's perfect standard. The standard was written down in the Ten Commandments. It was codified there. It was talked about in the Old Testament. Uh, And it's meant to be a guide and a judge 
for us. I like to think of the law for us, as Paul is referring here, as both the written and the unwritten truth that comes from the heart of God and his perfection and his holiness. The law is God's perfect standard. And, and Paul is making the point here that everyone on the entire planet who has ever lived has not, does not, cannot live up to that perfect standard. He says so definitively here. No human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In another place he says, how would I know what sin is if the law hadn't told me, Paul says. So my response to this is, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you mean being perfect isn't even an option for me? Like it's not possible and it was never meant to be? Because I thought, I mean, let me just be real. I'm not being funny. I thought I was going to be the first. Funny and tragic. Do you feel me? Because I thought I was going to be the first. Actually, that was my plan. That was my plan. And I, and I directed my resources toward it. I made sure my kids knew it. I made sure they followed that plan. And then when I started to not get A's in... I began, I began to understand this plan isn't working. But I held on to that plan. I held that plan for a long time. So you mean this was never possible and was never meant to be? Because <laughs> I thought I was going to be the first. You mean I'm going to have to rely on some provision for that meeting of God's standard that doesn't come from me? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Now you're beginning to understand what grace is and why it matters and where it comes from. Because you're not that awesome. Now we could just close the book and... We could simmer on this for a good long while, um, but we don't want to simmer on that. We want to marinate in grace today. So the provision is Jesus. How does this work? How does it work when our own personal awesomeness doesn't work? Paul begins the answer in Romans 3.21. Look at this. We'll move through the scriptures pretty fast here now compared to what we have been uh, he says this but now paul shifting from the problem of universal human sinfulness to the solution of god's own righteousness but now the righteousness of god of slash from same thing the righteousness of god god being right in every sense of the term him being right and perfect and holy and just and blameless in every way but now the righteousness of god has been manifested, fancy word for made known, revealed, uh, but in a new way, he says, keep reading, apart from the law. If you're a Bible defacer slash underwriter, uh, underliner or circler, uh, apart from the law is a fantastic one to circle there. It's apart from the law, meaning it's in ways <laughs> that are not tied, in ways that are not tied to perfect human obedience to God's perfect law that can't actually happen. So the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law, although the law and the prophets, which is a Bible word for the Old Testament, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, which is to say that this new righteousness of God from God does not nullify the Old Testament and do away with it, but this is a new revelation, a fuller revelation of that, Keep reading, and he summarizes it this way, verse 22. The righteousness of God received 
and, it's, and he's going to give us some color to this apart from the law thing. It's received through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, the righteousness of God has a name. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this righteousness is for all who believe. So, so get this. I know Paul's kind of complicated, and once you delve into Romans, it can be kind of complex, kind of complicated to read and to, to parse all the phrasing out. But he's basically saying this. Everyone is under sin, but now God's righteousness, the perfection of God that sinners cannot attain, could not attain, will not attain, has been made known to us. That righteousness has been made known to us in a way that is not tied to your perfect obedience to that standard that you couldn't meet anyway. We are all condemned by sin. (laughs) But now... Two important words, but now we can attain righteous standing before God because his righteousness can be received by faith in his righteousness. I'm going to say that last one again because it incorporates a lot of important doctrinal stuff. We can now attain righteousness, a standing before God that is righteous, Because that righteousness can be received by faith in God's righteousness. Just think about how radical this really is. God who is perfect, holy, creator of all that is. Infinite beyond our understanding. Beyond our description. God's perfection has been revealed in a way that isn't tied to your perfect obedience anymore and it doesn't nullify those standards it fulfills those standards in jesus and that righteousness is received through faith in that righteousness four words jesus is your righteousness jesus is our righteousness And, and, and check this out. Keep reading. Uh, if It's for everybody who is a sinner. He says this, For there is no distinction. This is uh, continuing on there. In verse 23, There is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, made right with God by His grace. Check this out. As a gift. We're justified by His grace. As a gift. Somehow those three little words for us get sort of forgotten in our Christian search for our perfection. Because we're still pretty sure we're going to be the first. Justified by His grace as a gift. In other words, all who are justified are justified by his grace as a gift. You don't get it as a condition of your behavior as if it were earned, but you get it as a gift that has to be received. I mean, just think about it like this. It's easy. (laughs) You don't earn gifts. You receive them. You don't earn them. You receive them. Someone gives it to you. The Bible calls this grace a gift. Ephesians 2.8 that we read earlier says, 
It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. If, if we were to just <laughs> take home this idea so many of us need this week, which is, this is not my own doing. This is a gift. This was not my own doing. This was a gift. This was not my or your accomplishment. Personal awesomeness. Worthiness. Smartness. Ingenuity. Creativity. Innovation. It was not your financial standing. It was not how well your kids did or are doing. It's not the title on the door where you work. You've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. He initiates this work. It's a gift you receive. You see, Christianity isn't this naughty or nice system. It's a grace-based system. If you take out grace, you have something other than Christianity. It's grace-based from beginning to end. as the efficient cause and the means by which you're saved. That's why we say sola. (laughs) It's only by. So, to summarize, everybody's a sinner. All are justified by grace as a gift. How does this work? (laughs) Because I was kind of still hoping I could like loop in my personal awesomeness because I'm pretty used to that method. And the people around me like it when I operate that way. Are some of y'all feeling me? How does this work exactly? This is cool stuff. Keep reading. 24 and following. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption is a fancy Bible word here that means having one's debt paid by an exchange. Uh, In some basic terms, redemption means having one's debt paid by an exchange. So here, that redemption is Christ's perfection. Jesus earned perfection for us, exchanged for our sin. So we are justified by grace as a gift through our sin debt that is paid by the life of Jesus. Keep reading verse 25. Whom God, meaning whom, referring to Jesus, whom God put forward. It's like God says here, I give you Jesus' perfection in exchange for your sin. <laughs> to, to me, that's like, wait, 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 what? That's too good. That's too good. It's too good. You see, you see I've learned I'm not allowed to accept that. Because the sin in me and others establishes these these relational patterns that keep us in that that law. That keep us in that personal works system. (laughs) But that's not what this is. That's not who we are. God put forward Jesus as a propitiation, it says. Press pause. 
Propitiation is um, a fancy word uh, that basically means a satisfaction for God's just wrath or anger against sin. Some of you have some other words. Those other words are not as good as that word. (laughs) Propitiation. um, Some of your Bibles have somewhat different words. I like this word because it continues to, to give the idea that God was justly angry at sin. I mean, do, do, you want, do you want to worship a God? Can you worship a God who is not actually angry at sin? That's not a God who is holy and perfect and righteous. He put Jesus forward as a propitiation, as a satisfaction of his own wrath. Check this out. By his blood. It should be my blood. It should be your blood. It would otherwise. And we would still not know him. Because that satisfaction would not have been made because we would have been an imperfect sacrifice. But this is a perfect sacrifice. And it was done through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his own blood to be received. And this is where we're going to end today. um, By. No, we're not going to end. We're going to keep going. To be received by faith. So, uh, God puts forward Jesus' perfection in exchange for our sin as the method, as a means of satisfying his own anger at sin. And we receive the benefits of that exchange by trusting that God did this. This is what grace is. This is what undeserved merit means. This is what blessing and favor you can't earn, didn't earn, won't earn looks like. The blessing and favor of God that you'll never earn. John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he, that he gave. Let the radical and the life-changing truth of the gospel simmer for a few seconds here. God is altogether perfect and holy and righteous and good. He deserves no wrath, no rebellion from us. And that God puts forward his own son's perfection in exchange for our sin. And that exchange satisfies His anger at our rebellion. And we receive the benefits of all of that simply by trusting that He knows better than we do. That whole thing is grace. That whole thing is grace. And that's all we need. Because that's all that works to make us righteous before a holy God who does not deserve our evil rebellion. Now, (laughs) why would God... Go through all that to save us. 
Because He's good. Because He loves unconditionally. And in so doing, He shows that He was the righteous one. If it's grace, it has to be shown as grace. As a gift from the giver. We are saved to highlight God's goodness and not our own. We're saved not as an end in itself, but we are saved to show God's grace, to highlight His goodness, to declare His mercies. You want to know what it means to be human? It's to talk about the grace of God in ways that give us a joy and a contentment and a peace, knowing we are doing what we were created to do. So many of us fight this personal satisfaction in the mission of God thing as if when we give ourselves and surrender to God's being the purpose for our creation, we're going to lose the joy. You will learn joy when you begin to tell the story as if it's grace from the beginning to the end. You will pervert it if you continue to tell your own story as if you've earned it. We've been saved to highlight His goodness because He alone is worthy. And of course, as you can guess, I'm not making this up. Keep reading. Verse 25. Paul says this, meaning the entire process that we've just described in 21 to 24. All of this was to show God's righteousness. Because in his uh, divine forbearance, fancy words for his patience, he has passed over former sins, delayed his demand for justice until right now, verse 26, Jesus, it was to show his righteousness at the present time in Jesus at the cross. That's what Paul's referring to there. So that, underline this phrase, he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Friends, the cross is where it all comes together. The penalty of death was not just removed, it was actually paid for in Jesus. So in the cross, the demands of God's justice are not only met, but here's the crazy thing. His demands are met by his own son. Which is Paul, which is why Paul ends by saying he's just and the justifier. All along, God knew we could not meet the demands of the law. He knew that you and I needed something or someone to not only make a way possible, but to actually be the way. He is both just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When you have faith, when you place trust in Jesus, you are saying, He is just and He is my justifier. When you begin to understand that, uh, that God's grace is not some superficial statement that sort of excuses, explains away, or minimizes sin. When you begin to understand that God's grace is not just some superficial washing away of sin, but that it's a complete atonement that actually makes up for your sin, that is real cleansing in Jesus, you begin to understand the heart of God. And that... He loves you enough to make provision for you 
You cannot yourself. He loves you enough to make provision for you. You cannot yourself. That is grace. And like we started at the beginning, (laughs) grace is grounded in God's love. Grace is grounded in God's love. He became righteousness for you because He loves you. He became righteousness for you. Jesus is your righteousness because He loves you. Let's pray, friends. Father, we admit in the quiet of this moment that we are helpless and hopeless under the law of sin and death. We are helpless and we are hopeless when we depend on a superficial righteousness of our own. And so we come to you pleading for help, knowing that it is not a vain request grounded in ourselves, but that it is meaningful and helpful and hopeful because it's grounded in the truth that you are a creator who loves us and has not left us to ourselves. But you have provided a way of escape. That you have given us the perfection of your own son, Jesus. And that when he was sacrificed, it worked to make satisfaction for what we deserved. Lord, we love you for that. And we ask that that good news would be a reason for our joy. That your amazing grace would be the ground of who we are. That your love for us would be how we love others. That the amazing way that you served us in Jesus and on the cross would be how we serve others. That the way that we interact with our husbands and our wives and our kids and our friends and our co-workers and our family, uh, that that would be rooted in this awesome truth that you love us unconditionally and offer us what we couldn't earn ourselves. Continue to teach us what it looks like to follow you so that we would become people of grace. So that this church, uh, so that our homes, so that our workplaces uh, would be opportunities to extend your love and grace to people who have no earthly idea what their truest needs are. Lord, break our hearts for people who can't even possibly fathom that there's a way out. So that we would be a community of people who extend grace to those who desperately need it. Teach us what it's like to follow you, Lord. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This is for us... um, 
a time where we come around uh, the Lord's table. It's obviously a figurative table. Um, and it's a picture for us coming around the Lord's table um, at communion is a picture for us of the good news 